Right, so this morning we'll be in uh, Psalm 73 um, in your Bibles. It's page 313 if you want to follow along in there. Psalm 73, and the title of the message is Tragedy of the Wicked. Tragedy of the Wicked. And uh, before I get into the study this morning, let me um, open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll look at the word together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this morning, for this time together, this opportunity to come here and to worship you and to hear from you, Lord. We thank you so much for just this church family, this unity here this morning as we seek you together. Lord, we pray that you would just change our hearts, you would change our minds, you would help us to look more like your son, Jesus. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be here in our midst, fill this place, Lord God, with the power and the person of your Spirit. Have your way. We thank you so much once again, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, as we were worshiping the Lord together as a church family, as we were singing praises unto the Lord, you know, I'm just reminded how beautiful and how powerful music can be towards our worship unto the Lord. And over the past few weeks, I've had this one song kind of stuck in my head a little bit. It's a song that I often revisit depending on what type of season I find myself in. Uh, the song is called Everything by Lifehouse. I don't know if you've heard that song before. I know they play it on the show Smallville. I think it's like the theme song for the show. But here are a couple of lyrics to this song uh, by Lifehouse um, called Everything. They sing, find me here and speak to me. I want to feel you. I need to hear you. You are the light that's leading me to the place where I find peace again. How can I stand here with you and not be moved by you? Would you tell me how could it be any better than this? You're all I want. You're all I need. You're everything. Everything. Now, as many of you know, I used to lead youth and college group uh, age uh, individuals when I was living back in Colorado. And I remember this song was often played at different conferences that we attended. And it was always accompanied with a skit. There was typically a young woman or a young man that was initially walking with the Lord, and then they get distracted with the world and get pulled away. And then they quickly realize that everything they need, everything that they have is in the Lord. So they run back to the Lord. And I love that. When you think about songs, just like the, the lyrics I read to you here, people write songs and the song typically corresponds to a circumstance that they're going through. Maybe it's a difficulty or it's a beautiful time in their life, um, an experience, what they are going through in that very moment in time. And similarly, when you think about the Psalms, these collections of prayers, poems, and hymns, here the worshiper is writing um, in the form of worship onto the Lord what they're going through in that particular time. And when you think of the, of the psalmists, you know, the writers of these psalms, once again, what they're experiencing, what they're going through, um, we have this collection uh, to read and kind of experience ourselves as well as we read through uh, these psalms together. Uh, like this morning, when we get into Psalm 73, here the psalmist Asaph, if you look at First Chronicles chapter 15 uh, in verse 16, here we're told that this individual was a Levite, um, he served as a musician and he a uh, worship leader rather um, at the sanctuary during David's reign. And very similar to this song, Everything by Lifehouse, what we're going to see here in this psalm 
is that Asaph found himself in a position in life where he began to stumble almost in his faith. He began to question his identity in the Lord. And because of that, you know, he began to think that the wicked were prospering and it was making his circumstance even worse. And then he quickly realizes that he has everything that he needs in the Lord. So beginning here in verse 1, Psalm 73, Asaph writes, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. So notice here that he opens with something that he is very certain about, this fundamental truth about the Lord. And when you think about God, the Lord, um, he is good, isn't he? He's good not just sometimes, but he's good all the time. And Asaph was well aware of the covenant that the Lord had made with Israel. The, you know, this promise of blessings out of obedience that we read about, for example, in Leviticus chapter 26 or in Deuteronomy chapter 28, 29, and 30, for example. But also notice that he says that God is indeed good to Israel. And then he says to the pure in heart. So what does that really mean? When I was reading this part of um, the psalm here, it reminded me of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, where the Lord says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So when you think about an individual that has a pure heart or is pure in heart, you can think about an individual that has holy thoughts, no selfish motives, a clean conscience, totally committed to the Lord. And the best example of that is obviously Jesus Christ, the only living example we have of God, the Father. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, that is our desire as well, is to be pure in heart, just as He is pure. Now, individuals that are pure in heart, desiring to have a pure heart every single day, they will see God, um, is what the Beatitudes tell us here. So when you think about that, when we're totally committed to the Lord, we are walking with the Lord, we can experience Him not just when we see Him face to face, but even now. You know, now we don't see Him face to face. We see Him, as Angel preached last week in 1 Corinthians 13, we see Him kind of in a dim image right now. But as we get into His Word, we continue growing in the Lord, we kind of see Him a little bit more clearly each day until we see Him eventually face to face. Now, being in the presence of the Lord is obviously a blessing. And, and like I said, we can experience Him even now. We don't have to wait till we leave this earth. But what we can conclude from this is that God is good to those that are committed to Him, and He blesses them now and forever. And for me, that is a great comfort, a great blessing um, every single day to be reminded of that. Now, notice in verse 2 and 3, there's a little bit of a shift here. There's that big but word. He says, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. For I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So once again, even though Asaph opens with this fundamental truth about God, you know, God is good. Um, there's a problem though. He says, but, right, his feet almost slipped. He almost stumbled. And what we see happening here is that the tactics of the enemy begin to slip in and to reveal themselves here in the life of Asaph. He becomes jealous. He becomes envious of the arrogant, it says here in the verse. 
And that jealousy then turned into a lie. He thought the prosperity of the wicked was occurring. He thought the wicked people were prospering. And then his faith, which we're going to see in a little bit, becomes a little bit wobbly because of these thoughts. And because he says here, my steps nearly went astray. And when you think about the enemy, Satan, he likes to do that. He likes to mess with our minds. He likes to appeal to our senses, to our passions, to our desires. He wants us to be jealous of the wicked. He wants us to think that the wicked are prospering. He wants us to be unstable in our faith. His desire is for us to be independent of God, which is a very dangerous place to be. And when you think about this in our lives today, you think about, for example, like movie stars, um, music uh, stars, famous people, um, people that seem to be prospering and are very wicked. Not that everyone is wicked who's a movie star or who is um, a music uh, celebrity, but some of those people are very wicked and it seems like they are prospering in their ways. People that maybe you follow on Twitter, or on Instagram, or on Facebook. And we think to ourselves, man, they have it all, but look at these people, they're so wicked. It could even be people we see on a daily basis, at work, at school, um, people in our own families that are very wicked people, and yet it seems like they are prospering. They have everything they could possibly want, everything that they could need as well, they have. And when you think about that, it can certainly lead you astray. We say to ourselves, man, those people, they have it all. They have everything that they need. And we begin to question um, our walk as well with the Lord, which Asaph does in the next few verses here. But what we do is we begin to exaggerate the situation, the circumstance. And that's a big mistake because what we start doing is we start comparing ourselves to these under other individuals. And unfortunately, we could even start comparing ourselves to even brothers and sisters in Christ. I've seen this in ministry where suddenly ministry becomes this competition and then it leads to destruction because this is not a competition. It's about building the Lord's kingdom and everyone's going to do it in a different way. But going back to the wicked, we don't ever want to compare ourselves to them because we're never going to be satisfied in that comparison. We're always going to esteem them greater than ourselves when we're not in the Lord and not thinking in the Lord's ways, when we're comparing ourselves to what we think is prospering in the wicked realm. And what is found in Jesus Christ, what you and I are worth, is found in Him. It's not found in any of these other things, such as you know the wicked, which we think are prospering, the wealth. All of those things are going to dissipate. Those things are not where we find our worth. But unfortunately for Asaph here, he begins to compare himself to these wicked people that seem to be prospering. And then in the next several verses here, he's going to paint this false picture for us uh, regarding the wicked. So in verses 4 through 9, here he paints this picture. Uh, verse 4 and 5, he kind of describes them as being almost superhuman. He says, they have an easy time until they die, and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. So here he kind of describes them as, you know, they have such an easy time until they die. Uh, there's no pain in their death. They're very strong. They are trouble-free. They're very well-fed. You know, we start saying, man, look at me. I'm eating ramen noodles, you know, not even the brand name ones. And look at these people. They're well-fed. They have everything that they want. Um, they seem to have everything going their way. They don't suffer. I suffer every day. Their bodies are healthy and sleek. You know, I have acne and 
um, I'm ugly, look at me, right? We say these things. They escape all the tragedies that I face on a daily basis. Once again, these are the consequences of comparing yourself to these wicked people, such as Asaph is doing here in these verses. Uh, verse 6 and 7, he continues with the character of these wicked people. He says, therefore, pride is their necklace, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. So, wow, how arrogant these people are. They're so full of themselves. They are proud, and they wear that pride like a necklace on their bodies. Uh, they're clothed with cruelty. They have everything they could ever want. And look at me, I work so hard to pay for this car that doesn't even run. You know, I pay the rent in this place and the roof leaks. Look at these people, they don't work as hard as I do. And they have limos and they have these mansions in the hills. Verses 8 through 9, he continues describing their character. He says, they mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. So they mock, they belittle people, they believe are less than them, they treat them like dirt. And, you know, they see their lives as being very, very important, these wicked people. They even speak against the heavens, uh, the Word of God describes here, using all that goes against the nature of God. And notice here that God Himself is also a target, right? They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut um, through the earth. In verses 10 through 12, uh, Asaph continues and writes, Therefore his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, How can God know? Does the Most High know everything? Look at them, the wicked. They are always at ease and they increase their wealth. So followers of these wicked people find it so easy to bow down to them. Uh, regardless of their wickedness, they find no fault to them. They're, they're basically deceived. Um, these deceived people drink it all up. All the words that come out of their mouths, they just accept them. And even people that are not necessarily engaging in wickedness may also be deceived. Just as Asaph here, he began to be envious of them uh, because he thought they were really prospering when they really weren't. Um, the wicked have no interest in God, this verse shows us here. They don't think that he even knows anything of what is going on and they continue in their ways. And I, I truly believe that's why it's difficult for people to receive the gospel these days because people do not want to change. That element of repentance in the gospel message is hard for people. People want to continue in their dark ways. They want to continue living it up for the day, just like these wicked people Asaph is describing here. People don't want to hear about repentance. They want to hear about surrender, right? They just want to continue living as they were before. And this is why we have to be very careful when we are rejected, when we present the gospel. It's not us that are getting rejected, but rather it's the Lord that's being rejected. So we don't have to take that too personal when we do share the gospel uh, with people around us. But notice here in the last verse, uh, he says they are always at ease and they increase their wealth. And obviously this is just an outward appearance. When you're not in the Lord, you don't know the Lord, the Lord's not in your life, you're never going to be at ease. You're never going to be satisfied. And that is just a lie that the enemy has put here in the mind of Asaph. And then notice in verse 13, this is where it gets heavy, in my opinion. Notice what he says here. He says, Did I purify my heart 
and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? So what we see here is this progression uh, with Asaph's thoughts. Number one, he was envious of the boastful, which then led to a lie. He thought the wicked were prospering, which then led to instability in his faith. He was beginning to lose his identity in the Lord, which is a very um, dangerous place to be. And we all need to be very careful of this in our own lives. I truly believe this because we don't want to be ignorant concerning the things of the enemy, the tactics of the enemy, right? Because a thief doesn't come but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Uh, the Gospel of John tells us this in chapter 10, verse 10. And where Asaph finds himself right now is exactly where Satan wants him. He wants him to question his relationship with the Lord. And he wants him to be independent of the Lord. And that's what he wants for all of us. And we have to be very careful. We never ever want to be independent of God because the second we're independent of God, that's going to lead to a disaster. And we have to be very careful because sometimes we find ourselves kind of flirting with that line when we allow the enemy to get into our minds when we go through a circumstance or we believe we're going through some sort of difficulty, um, when we should be going through those things with great joy and understanding that the Lord is using those things to shape us and to mold us. So Asaph, notice here, he's saying, you know, why have I wasted all this time seeking and serving the Lord and yet I'm not prospering like these wicked people? And this kind of reminds me of the book of Job. You think back to the book of Job. Remember there in the very first chapter, the enemy is having this conversation with the Lord and he has to ask permission to touch the life of Job. And the enemy tells the Lord that if he would touch everything in his life, that Job would surely curse him in his face. And what the enemy is suggesting here is that Job probably only feared the Lord and was obedient to him to see what he could get from the Lord. And when you think about Asaph here and what he says, you know, did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing, it's as almost if Asaph is saying, you know, I'm only obedient to the Lord, I only serve the Lord because I want to see what I can get from him. It's almost as if he's saying that. He seems to be very confused here in his walk, in his relationship uh, with the Lord. Asaph is in a very dangerous place. He starts questioning his relationship once again with the Lord and losing his identity in the Lord. He's totally confused. And in verse 14 through 16, he's so deceived that this begins to impact almost every aspect of his life. He writes, For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. So the question that he is pondering is why do the wicked prosper, but why don't I? You know, why do the wicked prosper, but why don't I? And it kept Asaph up at night. It, it deceived him. It messed with his mind. It messed with his entire day. He tried to understand this question, but the more he thought about it, the more painful it became for Asaph. And Asaph keeps himself from sharing this information with others. Notice he says this here. Um, he didn't want to promote or share this injustice, perhaps with other believers, maybe those that were younger in the faith, in their walk, uh, and perhaps cause them to stumble as well. 
So when you think about this, this individual Asaph, as we read in 1 Chronicles 15, this individual who you could describe maybe as a worship leader, you think about a worship leader today, there's a lot of young people that look up to the worship leaders. They want to be like the worship leaders, you know, because music is such a, a big part of their walk and their relationship with the Lord. Of course, for everybody. Um, but thinking about younger people that look up to these youth, these worship leaders, could you imagine if Asaph would turn his back on the Lord, the impact that would have on these individuals that looked up to him? And I think a lot of times we forget that our actions don't just impact our own lives, but they impact everybody else around us. It's this non-local impact to our actions. So we have to consider that we have to be mindful of everyone around us, being, being other-centered, as the Lord tells us um, in His Word, which sometimes is a difficult thing because I myself am a, a very selfish person, and the Lord's still working on that in my own life. But we have to be considerate of our actions and how they impact everybody else around us. First and foremost, our relationship with the Lord and then everybody else around us. So notice here in the next verse, there's a, there's a shift in the, in the psalm. There's kind of a wake-up call here with Asaph's problem. In verse 17, he says, Until I entered God's sanctuary, then I understood their destiny, speaking of the wicked. So notice here that Asaph, he goes into the sanctuary of God. He goes into the church to spend time with the Lord. So when you think about this, going into the sanctuary of God, so it doesn't necessarily mean just when you come here on Sundays, when you come to church together, but think about everything that allows you to spend time with the Lord, how you connect with the Lord, all the instruments, all the tools that we have um, that we use on a daily basis to walk with the Lord, those things that break those strongholds in our minds. And we've spoken of these things before, right? We have the Word of God, right? The Word of God is living, it is well, it is powerful, and it is um, where our faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. All of His promises are in there. That is one way we spend time with the Lord, right, is through His Word. We have the power and the person of the Holy Spirit being filled and being led by the Holy Spirit. That is another way we spend time with the Lord and the Lord is able to work through us and in us, our helper. And we also have prayer, right? Prayer is very powerful. This is our communication with the Lord, um, a tool that we need to utilize every single day. And I feel that we don't utilize enough. I know I need to pray more as well um, as everybody else. And this is also our dependence on the Father, our communication with the Father. And then, of course, we have our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is another way where we can be together in Christ and seek the Lord together and spend time with Him. So just like Asaph, when we go into the sanctuary of God, when we connect with the Lord, when we spend time with the Lord, He then gives us some understanding to our problems and to our questions. Now, at times, the, quest, the answers and the solutions he gives to us are not going to be the ones that maybe we desire. And of course, his timing, in my opinion, has never been my timing, but, but that's okay. His timing is perfect. And we have to be very mindful of that and, and careful. We have to desire what the Lord desires for us. And like I said, just like with Asaph, when we, when we connect with the Lord with these tools, with these instruments that we have to spend time with him, then the Lord can give us an answer to our problem and a solution to our problem. That way we're not wasting any more time. And in the case of Asaph, in verses 18 through 20, he realizes what their end is, that is, speaking of the wicked. 
Here he writes, Indeed you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors, like one waking from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. So Asaph realized that these people were truly on slippery places, truly in slippery places. And going back to what I was talking about earlier, maybe these, these wicked people that we see as movie stars, as um, music stars, uh, the rich and the famous, people that maybe we follow that are very wicked and yet to seem to be prospering, the truth of the matter is that these people are truly on slippery ground. When they fall, they fall very hard. And I was thinking about this. Um, how many of you have been ice skating? Maybe everyone's been ice skating in here. And I can tell you, I'm very accident prone. So like when I ice skate, I fall all the time. I'm bruised, my legs are all bruised, it, and it really hurts. And when I was thinking about this, I was like, this is how these people fall. They have absolutely no foundation to fall back on. And I'm very grateful because as believers, when we are falling, we're in a difficult circumstance, we have this big cushion to fall back on, which is the Lord. I'm thinking about these huge bean bags. You know, I don't know if you've seen those really huge bean bag beds. Like if you fall into one of those, that's, that's kind of like what we have. We have this cushion to fall back on. It's not like falling on an ice rink and, and bruising yourself or injuring yourself. And that's why a lot of these people, these wicked people that seem to be prospering, when they have nothing to fall back on, that's why they turn to drugs and to alcohol and even suicide. That's their destruction. It's unfortunate. And Asaph also, Asaph also realizes that the life of the ungodly is like a dream. It's this fantasy, right? It's very short-lived. And the Lord will despise this lifestyle of fantasies, he says here. In verse 21 and 22, he continues, When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you. So Asaph realizes how dumb he was, how dumb he was acting. And I think all of us have had those moments where we say to ourselves, man, I was wasting all this time letting the enemy mess with my mind. And all of this pain, all of this anguish could have been avoided, right? We waste all of this time. And, you know, the enemy wants us to waste time. Time we could be using growing in the Lord, growing his kingdom. Because he doesn't want us redeeming the time because the days are evil. He wants us wasting time because the days are evil. That's what he wants us to do. And we have to be very careful. We need to go to the sanctuary of God with haste when we find ourselves in a situation kind of like Asaph here. Because Asaph realizes here what an animal he was acting like. Like a selfish animal he describes here. And he was questioning the Lord. He was questioning the Lord and he became very unstable in his, in his faith, his walk, his relationship with the Lord. And we don't ever want to question the Lord. Who are we to question the Lord, right? Kind of like Job, right? At one point, Job was questioning the Lord. And the Lord had to kind of put him in his place. And the Lord does that, right? He, he chastens those whom he loves. We have to be very careful. Um, but despite that behavior... Going back to the very first verse of this psalm, right? God is good. The Lord never left Asaph. He was with Asaph the entire time. He was still the Lord's and the Lord was still there with him. And often we think to ourselves when we're in positions kind of like Asaph, you know, the Lord has left me. Where is he? You know, I'm praying, I'm crying out to him. Where are you, Lord? But the truth of the matter is the Lord is there. 
He never leaves us. When, he is, when we are faithless, He remains faithful. And that's something that we have to remember always. The Lord never leaves us, nor will He ever leave us, nor will He forsake us, right? The Word of God tells us that in, in Deuteronomy. We have to be mindful of that. And He says this in verse 23 and 24. He writes, Yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me up in glory. And I love this because despite his ignorance, um, right, Asaph's situation here, reading this, you know, we're reminded that God, he never changes. He's never going to change, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he continues on here uh, with Asaph as he continues walking with him. God will not forsake him nor leave him. And then Asaph tells us here that God was and continues holding him just like he does you and me. I'm so grateful for that. And you, God, will continue to guide me with your counsel and receive me to glory. And here we see the destiny of the believer. In verse 25 and 26, he says, Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. So Asaph realizes how blessed he is. He is wealthy beyond measure. He is truly prospering. He has all that he needs. He has this relationship with the Lord, right? He desires nothing on the earth that separates him from the Lord. And I think about this, and you can say, well, you know, just let the wicked have what they have. I have the Lord. I have everything that I need. My heart and my flesh may fail, but the Lord is my strength. He's everything, everything that I could possibly need and possibly want. So going back to those lyrics by Lifehouse, you know, that part of the song where it says, you are all I want, you are all I need, you are everything, everything. It's as if Asaph has finally reached that point and realizes that. And like I said earlier, what we are worth in, in the Lord is found in Jesus Christ. And if we want to compare ourselves to anybody, it's Him we should be comparing ourselves to because we should desire to be more and more like Him and not more and more like this world. We should desire to be less and less like this world. So he realizes that the wicked and the boastful, their self-worth was found in these temporary things in this world. And we see this contrast here in verses 27 and 28. We're going to be told what the destiny of the wicked, the unbeliever is. Uh, Asaph writes, Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, so I can tell about all you do. And I love this. What we see here is that those that are far from God will perish, right? That's the destiny of the wicked, the unbeliever. They're not going to spend eternity with the Lord. These are the people we need to have a burden for. These are the people we need to be praying for, desiring to reach. We don't want anyone to go to hell. We want people to experience eternal life with the Lord. All those idolizing false gods, all of these and as believers, we know that the relationship we have with the Lord is the most important thing that we are ever going to have. And we should guard that with all of our hearts, with everything that we have, because we serve a jealous God. We don't want to put anything before Him. And I heard it once said that we are as close to God as we choose to be. We are as close to God as we choose to be. And for me, that's pretty heavy. Um, 
because when you think about the relationship you have with God, a relationship takes two people. You have God and yourself. Obviously, God's always going to be faithful. We're the ones that have to work on the relationship, right? We're the ones that have to fight every single day to remain faithful to the Lord. And I'm so grateful that even on the days when I'm faithless, He's still faithful. And I can come back to Him with, and His arms are always open to me. God is so good. And we have to just continue trusting in the Lord and hoping in the Lord because that's where everything is. Because He's everything. And as we continue valuing our relationship with the Lord above all, we also want to be eager to declare what we have to all of those around us, as he's commanded us to do, right? To go into the world and, ma- and to make um, disciples of every nation, to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? To, to share that message, um, as Paul tells us in Romans 1.16, that leads to salvation. Number one, that Jesus died for our sins. Number two, that he was buried. Number three, that he rose from the dead on the third day. You put your faith in that message. You recognize you are a sinner. Um, You repent of your sin. That's what makes you righteous in the sight of God. That's what leads to salvation. That's the message we want to continue sharing with everybody. Because what we have, we should desire for others to have as well. Because that's where the hope, that's where the future is. That's where everything is. So in closing this morning, there are several things that we talked about. And let let me just go through those now. Number one, we talked about Asaph's problem. He began this psalm with a fundamental truth about God, that God is good. And he is. He is very good, isn't he? But then there was a problem. The enemy got into his head, so he began to envy the boastful, the arrogant, which then led to a lie. He believed that the wicked were prospering, And then that led to instability in his faith. He began to question the Lord. He began to question his walk. And as we discussed earlier, the enemy wants us to question our relationship with the Lord. He wants us to be independent of God. Not dependent on God, but independent of God. And he was asking himself, you know, why am I a believer? Why have I um, washed myself in innocence for nothing? And sometimes we, we... might find ourselves in that situation too where we say to ourselves, you know, why am I wasting my time? I'm serving the Lord. I'm a Christian, but all these terrible things are happening to me. Why aren't I prospering? Why aren't things happening for me? And we have to be very careful that we don't fall into that trap because it's kind of a snowball effect. It just accelerates as we continue thinking and thinking. We have to be careful. Our thoughts are where the battle really begins. We have to guard that. We have to guard our minds and not let those things make it into our hearts. So Asaph was pondering the question, why do the wicked prosper? Why do the wicked prosper? And often, like I said, this is something that we, we ponder as well. We start to envy the world around us and the things that are perishing. And then we realize that all of those things um, are useless for our walk. And we have everything that we need in the Lord. Secondly, we looked at Asaph's awakening. So no matter what you are facing this morning, run to the sanctuary of God. Get into his word. Get into prayer. Ask to be filled and um, led by his Holy Spirit. Seek a brother or a sister in Christ. Get in communication with the Lord through those avenues, right? Um, Into the sanctuary of God. That way um, you can be reminded that the things in your life, all of those things are only temporary. But what we need to focus on is what's eternal, which is our relationship with the Lord and continuing to grow in the Lord, in the Lord even during the most difficult times and the times where we begin to question our faith. 
and also remember that we have a foundation to fall back on. You know, we don't fall hard like the wicked do, the non-believers do. We have a foundation to fall back on, which is the Lord. And we want to continue to build that foundation. Every time we get into the Word, every time we get into prayer, it's like adding more fluff or feathers into that beanbag, right? It's like adding more to that foundation that we have to fall back on. So let's continue to do that. Thirdly, uh, we see Asaph's conclusion. He is completely satisfied in God, and he realizes that he's rich beyond measure. And he also realizes that it's good to draw closer to the Lord, as we talked about uh, just a while ago, right? We want to do that every single day. And everything in this life is temporary, but a life in Jesus Christ is eternal. Because one of these days, all of us are going to face judgment, whether you're a believer or a non-believer. And I can tell you, your cars, your looks, your wealth, none of those things are going to be of any help for you when you face the Lord. The only thing that's going to matter is if you've given your life and put your faith in Jesus Christ and the things that you've done for the Lord. Those are the things that are going to matter. So we have to remember that and truly have a burden for those that don't understand that completely. So this morning we opened with the lyrics in this song from Lifehouse. We went through this psalm uh, by Asaph. So I want to close with lyrics from another song that I was listening to the other day. This is actually from 2007. It's a song by Toby Mac, um, and it kind of sums all of this up. Uh, the song is called Lose My Soul, and here in the song he paraphrases from Matthew chapter 16, 26, and he says, I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. And this is the lesson that Asaph learned this morning, and I think that all of us have also learned this morning. We are truly rich. We are prospering right now because we are in the Lord. And that eternal life, once again, it began the day we gave our, we gave our life to the Lord. So we began to experience Him on that day, and we're going to continue to be in His presence until we see Him face to face. And that satisfaction, for me, will last forever. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning, for just reminding us, Lord God, that you are everything, Lord, and we have everything that we will ever need in you. Help us, Lord, to just continue depending on you. And the things in our life, Lord, that do not honor you, Lord, we pray that you would reveal those things to us. Continue to remove all of those things from our lives. Continue to shape us and to mold us. Help us to look more like your son, Jesus, every single day. And Lord, I pray for this church family. We thank you so much, Lord God, for bringing us here this morning. Continue to just have your way in our hearts and in our lives. Help us to continue growing in our love and our appreciation for you, Lord God, for one another. Help us, Lord, to just be a blessing here in this community. We thank you so much for this morning, for the privilege of just being here in your midst, in your presence, Lord. We thank you so much that we can just run to you when we need you, Lord. You're always there. You'll never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.